ministry of Nelson Iliadu. Be stirred as you listen. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, everyone, have your seat. Please, if there's an empty seat in front of you, fill it up. Especially for those of us. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. Hi, everybody. How are you doing? Um, I'm seeing some people I know. I'm seeing some people I have no idea who you are. But hopefully, by the end of the meeting, we'll be acquainted with each other. So my voice is like this because I've had a vocal week. <laughs> I've had a very vocal week. Um, Amen. Sorry, I don't know how to do small talk before we start preaching. I'm sorry. So after I introduce my, myself, I don't know what to say again. Um, I'm Pastor Nelson Yehagram. That's where you shout. Thank you. <clears throat> um, by the privilege of God, I'm the lead Nelson Yehagram Ministries. Thank you. My favorite color is blue. I always add that because I don't know what else to say. So, All right. So please, um, let's not be too serious. Like, relax. It's a meeting. Not a deliverance meeting, it's a teaching meeting, okay? So let's, like, chill. Chill. Some of us are very, our faces are strong. What's he going to say now? So I'll drag him on Twitter. They dragged me yesterday, so I mean, we move. Oh, yes, they dragged me. They always drag me. And when they drag me, I remember the words of a wise man. When you insult me, it's a boost. It shows what I'm doing. It's paining you. Because I realized that the truth will only fly on the wings of coconut head. So he said, please quote me anytime you <laughs> use that. I think, I think is our generation, we in a generation where truth is relative, right? Where truth has been reduced from facts to feelings. Um, we have this thing where I'm saying things that are quotable already. I don't know. And they teach is grace. Graces. Anyways. So, um, people are... I remember somebody put something up here. I put up a tweet. And then he said, you are a pastor. Is childish, embarrassing, and something that as a pastor you are putting... I said, no, God, don't think that because I'm a pastor I'll be walking on eggshells. Jesus called somebody a fox. Yes. Of course, I won't go around insulting people, but this is what I said. So, Apostle was in the lorry, just landed. Ooh, it was not paining them. I said, it's not even 5 p.m. and he done the choke setter. <laughs> I said, so, what that means is that wonders are said to happen. The spirit that is in the children of disobedience is reacting. So, somebody now said, you're not supposed to. I said, argue with Paul. It's Paul I'm quoting. You know. It's Paul that said it. And I said, people, you are supposed to be reaching. I said, no. See, anybody that is offended with what I'm saying should not be offended. They should repent. It means that the spirit of disobedience is at work in them. So, don't feel bad. Collect your soul. <laughs> and somebody said, if they tell you you are stupid, you should just check, am I really stupid? Then if, I'm, if you are not, you're not saying, no, I'm not. So let's, I mean, I got this wisdom from NBC. I said, no. We'll drag each other. If we're unruly, we block ourselves. We move. 
you know, I, 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 I was teaching a, my discipleship class and <clears throat> I was telling them, I played a video for them. Uh, it was basically putting side by side a... Did anybody here attend ADC? Oxano discipleship course, nobody. You attended ADC. But you, you know that video? Mm -hmm. It was putting together a... Um, you are Gladys or somebody, right? I can't remember. Um, it was putting together a first century Christian with a 21st century Christian. And then the first century Christian was talking about persecution. And then the first century Christian was saying that... The 21st century Christian was saying that... Uh, no. The first century Christian said, Oh my God, we barely have little... We barely have food to eat. We saved children from the dumps. That they threw them... And then we picked them up. So it's good, but it means that these are more mouths to feed, right? And more people to take care of. But, you know, we're running for our lives but because they think we are atheists. So Christians in the first century were the ones that were thought to be atheists because they did not believe in the pantheon of gods that the Greeks believed in. So they thought Christians were, they believed in us one God. So they thought they were atheists. And then it's an irony today, right? And then they thought, they said that Christians practiced incest. And I think it's on quote as cannibalism. So incest because they said that they called each other's brother. And please don't call me brother Nelson, it's weird. <laughs> so weird. Somebody tried it in school. I said, eh, hold it, match break. So um, because they called each other brother and sister and they married from amongst themselves. They said, and then they took the body and the blood. They had feasts. As in chow, not be wafers, chow. They had feasts. And then, you know, because they had those, so they said, you know, the body had blood, you know, did it to celebrate fellowship and amongst themselves. So they attacked Christians. And then they said, you know, we are said to be atheists and then we are under persecution, we are being attacked. And do you know what the um, first century Christian ended up saying? He said, you know, but I mean, I see through the lens of the cross. I'm joking. He said, you know, God is good. God is good. And then the first century Christian now said, you know, persecution. I said, the first century Christian now said, oh my God, I totally understand what you are saying. Like I was dragged on Twitter the other day. So this, this persecution you're talking about, I get. I get. I was like, <laughs> you see, I, I just think that Conviction is very, because we have believers who, we don't really hold on to the truth of God's word with our chest, right? They drag you on Twitter, you say, oh my God, how could they? How, why couldn't they? Why shouldn't they? Right? People hate your gods. I mean, if you don't believe there is a God, why are you upset I believe there is one? And let's have a discussion. You, when you've come to the end of your logical argument, because at the end of the day, they don't make sense, right? I think it was Lee Strobel that said that he was an atheist. In fact, he, became, he began to search into Christianity to debunk the Christian faith because he was an atheist. His wife was agnostic, and they got married. And he got upset because his wife, he started seeing changes in her life. And it was like, he started to feel like Jesus was taking her away from him. And then he started, I mean, he's a lawyer and a journalist. So, you know, he's trained in skepticism and questioning. So he began to search out Christianity to find out if it was true. And he said that the evidence he found was so compelling that he knew it would take more faith to be an atheist 
than his will to be a Christian. I think they said the code in your DNA, if they put it in a book, it will fit about 400 and something thousand pages. The code in your DNA. And you tell me that that's a result of not an intelligent being but a cosmic accident. Who is a fool? <laughs> right? Nothing goes from disorder to order. Everything goes from order to disorder. And of course, um, everybody has agreed that the earth is in a state of degradation. Right? An intelligent being has to have put it together. And because he put it together, everything is degrading with time. Are you mean? Degrading with time. So, I mean, when I think about intelligent design, when I think about, you know, there are major arguments. There's the moral argument. There's the cosmological argument. There's the teleological argument. I think the teleological argument is the argument of uh, design. The cosmological argument is the argument of the beginning. When they say everybody agrees that the earth has a beginning, it has a definite point where it started. So for everything to have a beginning, it definitely has to have had a beginner. And if it is intelligent, right, if everything seems to be intelligently placed, the one who began it has to be intelligent. Praise Jesus. How did we get here? Dragon. So, me, I just realized that I've made up, you see, that app, I will not leave it for anybody. Yes, I like problems. Always. I will not leave it for anybody. You talk your own. I talk my own. You didn't buy data for me. You didn't buy a phone for me. You didn't open the account for me. We move. We move. Amen. 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 We move. So, you know, I, I just said that to say, don't let anybody... Of course, we are not rude. We are not unruly. In fact, somebody dragged me. And I said, brother, how are you doing? That's how I started... And I replied to him. And his major point was, I don't agree. I don't agree is not Christian doctrine. I, it has caused more harm than good. It is not Christian doctrine. It's not. The way I feel is not Christian doctrine. What does the word say? If you cannot defend it from scriptures properly exegeted, throw your opinion in the trash. Right? In arguments, the loudest person is usually the wrongest. Usually, right? Because, I mean, going on Twitter, you find out that on Twitter, you can say hi, and somebody will say, what of low? <laughs> no, I'm just saying this, that, see, you need to understand that, you know, we live in a world where we want to be politically correct, right? We want to be politically correct. We want to, this, hey, Sammy! My guy, come and sit here. Come and sit here. Sammy, come and sit here. You know, terminate fufu or obliterate semo. That's Sammy. It's one that's always dragging charismatic Pentecostal. Come and sit here. But Sammy is my we they fight every time. Every time we used to fight. But the way Sammy is here, and I feel like throwing the power of God, so we we pain him. <laughs> Amen. All right. So, um, what's the last thing I said again? No, before him. Huh? Before Sabi, my guy. 
Yes, you can say any. So you need to understand. See, in a world where we are trying to be politically correct, and everybody is trying to buy into an opinion, right? Everybody is trying to equivocate. That's why, you know, when we are now, this is why I drop things on the timeline. I know that arguments are hardly won, or and a consensus is hardly reached on the timeline. However, if you drop something that is contrary to truth, many times, I pick my battles anyways, the reason I join some and I add my two cents is because somebody else will see it and say, hmm, he has a point. When he's wrong. Right? So, <laughs> so, and I mean, just like what I put yesterday, Paul clearly tells us, and as we look, he has a very important part to play in our teaching today. The Bible lets us understand that we are in a world where there is spiritual warfare. And the warfare is not really against satanic strongholds and is in the mind casting down every imagination and everything that what? Exalts itself against the what? Knowledge of God. See, the more mind share the devil has, the more hold he has. Are you with me, please? And that's why we strive to put God's word first and make God's word properly exegeted popular. Because if God, you can't worship accurately when you, who you don't know accurately. You can't worship accurately who you don't know. So if your knowledge is wrong, your worship will be wrong. Are you with me? We know better so we can worship better. If your knowledge is wrong, your Worship will be wrong. Praise Jesus. So, um, you know, <laughs> uh, speaking about political correctness, I think this is important to my teaching. Speaking about political correctness, you find people, I mean, you know this beautiful hymn, In Christ alone, my hope is found. You know, and progressives have changed. What's the name of that spiritual father again? That monk. That monk, raw, mm -hmm. and his folks, they've changed it to the wrath of God was, no, they changed it to something else. The wrath of God was not satisfied. Satisfied is the hymn. They changed it. The love of God was satisfied. I think they changed it to the love of God. The love of God was satisfied, was amplified, right? Or something ridiculous like that. See, let me tell you something. Please come and sit in front. Fill up the empty spaces. See, you can even sit on my chair. Just I went out to sit, you bounce. See, you can... And this is the thing about Christian doctrine. right? Of course, there are essentials. They are not necessary. I think... Um, I think it's Augustine that said, on the essentials, unity. On the non-essentials, liberty. But in everything, charity. That has a context, please. Now, the truth of the matter is when it comes to Christian doctrine, if you mishandle one part, it will affect every other part. So it's a, it's a train of thought. Um, this thing about the wrath of God, a lot of people say, you know, God has no wrath. God never had wrath. The wrath of God was, the love of God was, a, mm -mm, mm -mm. listen, God is a holy God. People don't even know what that means. He's the thrice holy God. When you say something twice in Hebrew or in the ancient cultures, right, in, or in Aramaic, it means that you are laying emphasis. So when they say verily, 
Verily. You are laying emphasis. But when you say something three times, holy, 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 you need to understand that this God is so, his holiness is exuding from him. That when he appears, Moses will remove his shoe because where he's standing is holy. Not because the place has a moral conduct, but because of the one who is there. So at his presence, anything that is contrary to who he is must bow. Sin must bow. That's why Isaiah will see him. And when Isaiah sees him, he will say, Ah! Nobody will ask him, but he will say, I'm a man of unclean lips. Are you guys with me, please? So, um, when people start from there, usually when people start with God never had rock, they always end in universalism. Usually. That's talk for another day. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Alright, we're talking about what? Maps and metronome. You know, um, a map is basically a graphic is a gra graphic depiction of that gives direction to wherever you're going. Metronome is uh, a beat. Is a beat that is used to catch up with the pace of a song. DB, am I correct? Am I correct? Okay. Timing, yes. So basically, we're talking about direction and what? Direction and what now? All right. Direction and timing. And um, usually, when teaching things like this, you see. The popular way that this thing has been taught is usually uh, four ways, five ways to hear God, seven steps to be led by the Spirit of God, and things like that. And those things might have helped, but the truth of the matter is, unknowingly, those things have actually somehow caused to some people more harm than good. Because when it comes to the Christian life, it's not... Uh, it's not mechanical. It's a relationship with God. Are you with me? So, when we it's just like when we talk about seven steps to prayer. There are no steps. God is your father. Fellowship with him. Right? You can learn about prayer so that your prayer time will be more efficient. Okay? However, um, when we say seven steps, people now start to think, okay, step one. Step two, I did not do that step three. Well, let, let's start again. And your walk with God is not, is not in steps. It's a relationship. When you, have, when you want to talk to your, the person you are, your significant other, right, or your family members that you are close to, right, you don't think of steps in approaching them. You know them, so you know how to approach them. Are you with me, please? So when it comes to God, you need to understand that God is your father. You see, I was telling someone that, you know, a lot of people, someone put up on his status when uh, Pastor Yonggi Cho passed, and he said, oh God, <laughs> the thing always makes me laugh. When they say, oh God, that man may arise. I'm like, I, and I swiped up. I said, how you doing? <laughs> I said, are you saying men are not rising? He said, they are rising, but they are not rising how they should. I said, how should they? And he didn't know. And the truth is, he has echoed what he has heard other people say, so he believes it's true. And I'm like, and I was telling somebody that, see, I don't, the church is not weak because all we have, the church has ever had, 
the word, and the spirit. If anything is lacking, I believe is the efficacy of the teaching ministry. If the teaching ministry, because the truth of the matter is the believer will look like what he's being fed. He will look like what he's taught. Hence the word likened to a mirror. We even get to that. The believer will look like what? So, you, your body eventually grows in accordance with the diet you are given. Are you, are you with me? So, if you are taught greed and covetousness, you will be a greedy person. Like Pastor used to say, which is very funny, he would say, you came to church um, content, you left covetous. He said, you, are, you have a bank account, your age mate is the owner of the bank. What are you doing with your life? How can you glorify God in that your financial state? And you started the reason now. A word in season. <laughs> you know? Um, I, I think I heard someone say, preach this. Um, said, you know, when you... <laughs> he said, when Joseph was in prison, he didn't just connect to anybody. Joseph connected to... He connected to prisoners that matter. Prisoners with connection. I said, James is shaking in his grave. <laughs> James. When he said, don't give the man with gay apparel, don't let him sit on the floor. Don't let him sit on the floor. And don't let, the, don't let him sit on the high places and let the poor man sit on the floor. Before God, we're all this, we're, um, in, when it comes to fellowship, the only... Um, the only... Hmm. Let me find a better way to put this. We have common honor as brethren, as saints that are bought with a, a price. But then the only people that in the gathering of the saints that we now esteem and honor are those who labor in the word and doctrine. If a politician comes amongst us, he should sit down. Because his honor in the gathering of the saints is not the same one he has when it comes to the running of the affairs of the state. When we, count, when we honor those who are in authority, the honor there um, simply means we obey their rules. And the obedience of their rules has limits. The obedience, if they raise any law that is contrary to the law of God, we stand against it. But we honor them in accordance to the laws of the state because, I mean, God tells us that there is no power, but all powers that be are as given by God, as ordained by God. Are you guys with me? Every authority that exists, exists because that authority was ordained by God. But when it comes to the gathering of the saints, it doesn't matter how rich you are. Anywhere they tell you to sit, you sit down. So, classism is not of God. In Christ, we have become one man. No Jew, no Gentile. One man. Praise Jesus. So, but when you hear teachings like that, and then it's tell you of how the teaching changed the life of Joseph because he had connected prisoners. Ah, stay on the keyboard. Play, play. His grand piano. They play that in a bit. His grand piano. Touch it like a black American organ. Mm -hmm. So when, can you guys hear me? So they say, are you ready, um, um, Joshua? Ah, 
even in your circumstance don't connect with anybody connect with only those who can lift you from where you are am I preaching here Jesus didn't just connect to anybody he connected to John the Baptist not just because he was the forerunner you are not with me in this place not just because he was the forerunner but because he had an influence all men came to him in the wilderness As enticing words in man's wisdom. <laughs> and that's the truth. When you don't know God's word, anything that sounds good will seem true to you. Are you aware that this statement, I understand the context is used, but it can have a problem because a lot of people are um, stretching it beyond its context. Statements like, God gave you a God gave you a brain so that he can rest. He has a context, but it's wrong. The same Bible says, lean not. Are you with me now? Lean not on your own understanding. So statements are only true within the context they are meant to be. Any statement taken out of his context is and instituted as truth is a lie. Are you guys with me? Please, are you with me? And that's why the word of God needs to be properly studied because if the word of God if the word of God is not if you, if you don't know the word of God properly exegeted and the word of God in context the truth is because discernment is not just knowing what's the difference between truth and false. It's knowing the difference between true and almost true. It's not just discerning between white and black. It's discerning between the shades of gray. Discerning between the shades of gray. So, um, see, I, I say this with, because it's true and it's scary. False doctrine ruins lives. It does. False doctrine ruin, has ruined lives, ruined marriages, ruined homes. It ruins lives. Praise Jesus. Anyways, the first thing we need to know, I think I'll just be um, dropping things that I think that are really important. The first thing we need to understand even when it comes to divine leadings, we need to know who God is. We need to know who God is. Mm. Let me add this to my notes quick. We need to know who God is. And the first thing to understand is this God is good. See, as simple as that statement is, huh? As simple as that statement is, it is so powerful. God is good. You know, Pastor gives this example. He says, if 
Dangote comes to you as a young entrepreneur and tells you, leave everything you are doing and follow me. You will say, let's be going from here. But if Jesus says the same, say, Lord, are you sure? Now, the problem is not really... Um, the problem is not really what is being given up. The problem is the one who, the value you esteem to the one who is telling you to follow. Are you with me? The problem, <coughs> the problem is the value you esteem to the one who is telling you to follow. So I realize that if this God is good, everything that he says, no matter how it seems, is for my good. All right. God is good. So everything he says and everything that flows from him is good. You know, I heard, I've heard a lot of people say, um, share testimonies like this, and they are true, right? I mean, Isaiah clearly says that he's the one who leads you in the way to profit, right? Now, profit, we, just, we are just very quick to see it from our lens, not his. And many times it's because we've learned, we've learned Christ in such a way that it's about us, not about him. So, even when you are told in salvation, we say, even if you were just the only one, he will still have died. And your mind quickly goes to, ah, wow, I'm special. He will still have died not because of you, but because he is good. It's because of who he is. Are you aware that if he decided to die for only three people, nobody can question him? Talk to me, are you aware? But he decided to shed his blood for every man who will believe. Right? Every man who believes. And, I mean, he had made it open. So, you need to understand that it, it is not about us. It's about him. I've said this many times that God is the only person that is allowed to be self-centered in the universe. Why? Because his self-centeredness benefits everybody. You know, the Bible says um, the wrath of God does not what? Walk, the wrath of man does not what? Walk the righteousness. Guys, you are just looking at me. Am I quoting Quran? The wrath of God does not what? Walk the righteousness of God. The wrath of man does not walk the righteousness of God. Right? Now, um, why is that? It's because man, hello, is because man is not God. The wrath of God definitely cannot be separated from his righteousness. Guys, are you with me? The wrath of God, you see, you cannot separate God's love. You know, Moses said in Deuteronomy, he said the Lord is good and all his ways, I think KJV says judgments. All his ways are what? Judgments. Some translations say justice. The reason for that is because you cannot separate the good, you cannot say a man is good if he's not just. And there is no justice if there is only reward and no recompense. Are you with me? And that's why a lot of people now say things like, how can a good God send men to hell? Right? The reason he can send them to hell, first of all, is number one. Um, let, let me even try and answer it. Let's say something harsher. But let me try and answer it like this. Number one is because, first of all, you are not punished be just because of your sins. You punish because of who you sinned against. God is not going to judge you on... Let me give an example. When you commit a crime in Nigeria, and then it goes to the authorities, you are not judged on your level. You are judged on the level of the Federal Republic of Nigeria. 
So when you sin against God, they say, why, why will you sin in time and burn for an eternity? It's because you are not, it has nothing to do with just your sins. It has everything to do with who you sinned against. If you scratch a scrap card, nobody really cares. If you scratch a second-hand car, there's a way you will sort it out. When you, when you are driving and a Ferrari or Land Cruiser Prado is in front of you, you calm down. You calm, because you know if you, if you remove one halogen headlight, it's your salary, your rent. Are you with me? So first of all, it's not, it's not really because of... And a lot of people now have a problem merging that together is because... And a lot of people now say things like God does not send men to hell. I know I'm answering a lot of philosophical questions. Um, why, why, why does... Uh, a lot of people say things like, if God is good, please, if God is good, he will not send men to hell because God is good. And some people now say, God really does not send men to hell. It is man's own belief that sends him to hell. That's not, that's not true. His own belief sends him to hell, yes, but who put the system in place? Some people say it is, just, it is sin. What you are trying to say is there are three entities. There is God, there is the devil, and there is an entity called sin. So, listen. God is good, but we cannot say God is good without saying that God is just. And because he is just, every man that rejects has to have a recompense. Any system that only rewards and does not recomp and does not judge is wrong is a false system are you with me so the righteousness of god or the wrath of god cannot be his love cannot be separated from his justice it cannot be separated. all of them are a perfectly fine blend and that's those all of them are actually clearly revealed in salvation on the cross are you with me so like I was saying, the first thing we need to understand is God is good. And because God is, is the only being in the universe allowed to be self-centered, why? Because his self-centeredness will profit who? Everybody. So we, we clearly say testimonies like this. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I got two job offers. I asked the Lord, which one should I take? And the Lord told me I should take a job offer that I should take the one... You know, the other one was paying 250000 The other one wanted to pay 150000 The Lord said, I should take the one that was paying one fifty, And then they wrote a letter and they said, oh, they made a mistake with my letter that ideally is supposed to be three fifty after three months. And then they are backtracking my salary and paying me everything. Praise Master Jesus. We say, wow. He leaded me in the way to profit. That happens. That happens. But can I tell you something? The reward for divine leading is not that things worked out. The reward for divine leading is the satisfaction that God's will is done. The reward for divine leading is that God's will is done. So when we think of, you know, Pastor Ray said something that I will never forget. He said, when the Lord told him to come to Abuja, he said, even if there were only 30 people in that room, he won't consider himself a failure. Why? Because he knew that it was God that said it. And he was happy obeying God. Are you aware that our hearts have been changed? Ezekiel, Ezekiel, Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel prophesied. 
He said, I will take out the heart of stone. So we can perceive and bear the heartbeat of God. What makes him happy is what makes us happy. So when God says, go, you know, um, Pastor Zita is a missionary in Sudan. I always use him. Do you know what it means that your parents paid school fees? And they sent, your, they sent you to a private university, right? They sent you there. You came out. They said, all right, what do you want to do with your life? You say Sudan. <laughs> now, in the eyes of man, you are an ungrateful child. Right? But before God, that is profit. Please, don't now... Don't hear what I'm not saying. Don't hear that when God leads you, you know, there are no, He does not back you up with resources. Mm -mm, that's not what I'm saying. I am saying that the reward for God's leading is to take a job that it was 150 that they said this salary was, and this other salary was 250, and the Lord told you to take the one of 150, and they would say it was a mistake, it's 120. <laughs> That is still the Lord leading you to what? Profit. Can I tell you something? There are many things that we will not, there are many things that we will not get a full picture of in time. We'll only get a full picture of them in eternity. We'll only get a full picture of those things where? In eternity. You see this statement, God is good. Is in eternity we will know. I always tell people this thing. There was, a, there was a job I interviewed for. I'm sure many of you, after I finish sharing it, just get ready to raise your hand if you, if you, are, really, if you, if you are in this uh, WhatsApp group. You know, um, there was this job interview I had. I mean, there are three stages. I passed level one, passed level two, and failed level three. Today, glory to God, I failed it. If you are there, if there's, an, if there's a door that shut on you and you said, my God is not just the one that opens the door, he shuts it. <laughs> Raise your hand. He leads us in the way that we should profit. His directions are not separated from his nature. Every leading he tells us to take is because he's good. Are you listening to me, please? Every leading he tells you to take is because he is good. And when I take it, I don't say, oh, see, listen, maybe I'm jumping ahead of myself, but can I tell you something? When the Lord leads, you have no plan B. If the Lord says, go, don't say, ah, if I had taken, nobody cares about your other, if you are taking the other one. And as a matter of fact, eternity does not care. You know, I was preaching in Bowen University like three weeks ago, or two weeks ago or so. And I was telling them that I said, see, some people will only get before God and say, um, Lord, you know, by faith, you know, they receive the dead back to life. They turn back. They put aliens to flight. Hebrews 11. He said, time will fill me to talk of Jephthah and Barak and Gideon. You know, but you know what that verse also says? It says that by faith, they, some did not accept deliverance. Some were son asunder. That, that verse is actually talking, that's how Isaiah died, right? That's how I, Isaiah was div, divided into two. 
waist to head like this, waist to feet like this. They did not receive, they, did, they refused deliverance. So, faith is not just in receiving things from God, it's in suffering things for God. Guys, are you with me, please? Some people are like, what kind of meeting is this? <laughs> Who sent me? It's recalibration. Deliverance is happening to your mind. Glory to God. So, when we, when we see things like that, listen, is God good? Then everything he tells me to do, you know, I'm going to be teaching in Lagos next week, Saturday. I'll be teaching Kadash, consecration. And I began to, you know, I was reading one uh, theologian who is, who is Jewish. And he was writing a little bit about how when you study the laws of Moses, my God, it was such an intelligent system. It, it couldn't have been from the mind of a man. It had an economic side. It had a moral side. And in fact, when the, when the Bible talks of all those washings, what not to eat, when you study today, you realize that those, the food that they told you not to eat was for your good. When he talked of the ceremonial washings and everything, even though they typified some things in Christ, they had present-day health implications. You know, um, medically, I mean, before medical science knew that circumcision was actually healthy for a child, they had been circumcising children way back as a sign of a covenant. And it, was med it has medical implications. Guys, are you with me? So, I then got to realize that even when, even God telling us to live right, we would have, there are many things we will avoid. Let me talk a little bit about that. Are you aware if there's no premarital sex, wouldn't the conversations on abortions will reduce drastically? It's like a lot of us have been thinking about it. <laughs> if, are you also aware if, we, if there was no premarital sex, I can make strong arguments for this. The, the, um, uh, let, let me even expand it beyond premarital. If we follow the marriage pattern of God, there will be less broken homes. There will be less children that grow up without, without one parent or the other. Statistics actually show many things. Parents who grow up without fathers are three times more likely to be abused. And then, you know, in this world where, because we are woke, are silly things we believe. Where, the, in the bag, you have a smaller bag. Doings. <laughs> so, if we, they are, in the world where, you know, because of, now, don't hear what I'm not saying. In the world where, because we are trying to be Feminist, right? That word is not fair, Sha. In describing equality, it doesn't sound fair. But talk for another day. If you want to drag me, when you insult me, it's a booster. <laughs> Anyways, let me say what I want to say. Listen, in a world that is trying to make women men, wait, oh. And I'm not just talking about being transgender. 
You know, I was explaining to, uh, I can't remember what meeting you, uh, yes, it was emphasis at the beginning of the year. I was explaining to the people, I said, see, eh, there are attributes that, there are times when the prophet speaking for God, God is trying to, ex is trying to talk about his love for Israel. And he uses the attributes to a woman. Are you with me? He says it like, <laughs> there's a meme in my head as I'm about to say this. He said, as a child, as a suckling mother does not forget her child, so will I not what? Hmm? So, when, so when God is basically saying that when it comes primarily, these are um, characteristics that he attributed to the feminine gender. How many of you were, like you knew what was happening when you had a, a younger sibling? Say you were maybe 10, 11, 12. And you remember when you had a younger sibling that you just gave birth to? Let me see. Anybody? <laughs> Who used to, is like word of knowledge. Who used to know when the child is not feeling fine? The father is like, he's fine now. Is he not breathing? He's <laughs> <laughs> fine. My, my um, nephew, I use that boy to preach a lot. He must preach. This is Jesus. I've used him a lot. So, my nephew, right, his mom used to look at him and say, he, even though sometimes he used to annoy me, like, he's not dying, calm down. So when I, and she's like, hey, something is wrong. And many times they'll go to the health center, they'll say, ah, malaria, his nose is blocked. And my brother will just be like that. Eh. Uh, okay, treat him now. <laughs> because, so, there are characteristics that God attributes to mothers and women and you know uh, amen <laughs> I don't know if I should go further in the things I want to say but listen you know what let me even let me even read some statistics to you it's not part of my note but um, to even show that God See, there's a lot of wisdom in intelligent design. A lot of wisdom. For example, people who... MSMs, I learned that from... I learned what that meant from gifts. MSMs, men that sleep with men. Right? They... Why people say, wow, she taught me English. People, men that sleep with men. Or people that basically sleep with the same sex, homosexuals generally. First of all, they are more likely to, they are more susceptible to anal cancer. They are more susceptible to sexually transmitted diseases. They are susceptible to drug abuse. You know, there's the statistics for this thing. Why? Because you are putting things where God, you are making an entrance where God designed as an exit. His original design. If you don't know what I'm saying, it's fine. <laughs> oh, well, this is a this is a class, so we can we have we can take our time. Plus, we paid for this, or we will use it. If there's still time, I will not prophesy. <laughs> look at this. Let me look at this statistic. This is this is from the National Fatherhood Initiative. So you know, say no be one blog, carry on. Um, this thing has not finished loading. 
be clear now. Okay. Um, I'm trying to see when it was carried. Yes, this was carried out in 2021. Actually, this is a 2022 publication, but they have references from um, research that was conducted in, the, in 2021 and in 2019 from the U.S. Census Bureau and then also National Fatherhood Initiative. Now, I'm calling this thing so that you know that it's a reliable source. People who grow up without... Now, children, there are 18.4 million children with, without fathers. It means that one in four, I think in America, sorry, this is in America. One in four without a biological step or adoptive father at home. Shall I say that again? So, there are 18.4 million children without fathers in their lives. It means that one in four children have, they don't have either a biological, a step, or an adoptive father. In, there is no father figure. And this is the result. Please pay attention to this. Let's fill up the seats that are in front before we move to the back. Please. So if there's an empty seat in front of you, fill it up. Look at this. They are affected in the following ways. Children who grow up without these things, they, have, they, fought, they, fought, uh, they are open to four times a greater risk of poverty. They are more likely to have behavioral problems. How many of you have been involved with your teen's church before? Raise your hand high. Have you, you know that teenager that is always lashing out and you were upset with until you now found out that there was a problem in their house? If you can relate, raise your hand. They see, more likely to have behavioral problems. They, are two, they have two, two times greater risk of infant mortality. They are more likely to go to prison, more likely to commit crime, more likely to become pregnant as a teen. So, sorry, seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen. Why is this important? Listen, because most times, um, of course, this one gets pregnant as a teen. is for the girl child, you know. Right? <laughs> This one is because she doesn't have a father figure. So she's looking for affirmation and love anywhere she can find it. And then she finds it in the hands of a vagabond. And you get it? <laughs> she gets pregnant. More likely to face abuse and neglect. More likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, two times more likely to suffer obesity. Actually, this obesity one is in the same category of drug and, drug and, and substance abuse because some people use food to douse their pain. Some of us are here. He <laughs> said, yeah, we just don't, it has not got, you too like food. Draw the plate and touch God. <laughs> every time food, every time <laughs> Pray first, pray first. <laughs> and they are two times more likely to drop out of school. Look at this one. Strength of a father's presence. I'm coming, I promise all these things are heading somewhere. There's a lower risk of infant mortality, low birth rate, emotional and low emotional and behavioral problems, low all these things are low. Low neglect and abuse, low injury, obesity, lower chance of poor school performance. Lower teen pregnancy, lower incarceration, lower rates of suicide, criminal activity, etc. I'm coming. 
There's also the statistics for dads being involved. That one is even another conversation. The fact that, yes, some things are more associated with women, it will be very upsetting for a man who engaged in coitus with his wife when he now comes to taking care of your child, you say, I'm busy. You are very stupid. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's harsh. You are very unserious. They want me not to be using words. You are very unserious. Then you were in the mood. You were happy. Now, the product of your carnal desires, you don't want to take your... Ah. I'm coming now. Trying to look for... I will follow you till the very end. Inamarusa Tanieke Virina Kaparundeke Kaluatani Sammy, Sammy, it's me, are you here? It's me, are you? God just tells you to come and pastor with me, I'll be so happy. Hey! Go frustrate you, die. Anyways. Okay. I'm seeing something, but I'm not. Mm. Okay, let me read this. Look at this. Children not having a mother near them grow up emotionally immature and detached. Some of the well-known emotional issues with children could be rigidity or low level of flexibility and capability to adapt to changes. Low stress tolerance. Low stress tolerance makes them vulnerable to various psychological disorders. Low stress tolerance then means that they now get to resort to substance abuse. Emotional aggression and instability in these children leads to social issues and even suicidal tendencies. How many of you have been, you've been stressed out and you want to hug your mommy? Raise your hand. A man is up. Daniel's hand cannot be up. <laughs> they lose the ability to form healthy relationships which may have lifelong consequences. Why? I think I read another statistic that said this. Another statistic that said this was they, they, they find it hard to form lifelong relationships because, because they didn't have a mother. They also feel like every other person in their lives will leave. And attention-seeking, and many of them struggle with this, and many of them struggle with life. Some of the lifelong effects of not having a mother may be failure to develop healthy relationships as adults, which may lead to short and unstable friendships, marriages, and emotional instability. See, that's why when I see things like this, and in two years you have been in four relationships, stop dating, stop, stop. In two years, you have dated three people. Stop, stop, stop. Don't date, don't like. In fact, they should not like you. Take a break and evaluate. Fear of love and attachment, personality disorders like narcissistic personality or borderline personality disorder. Um, higher risk of substance abuse, lack of direction in life may prevent development of morals and higher probability to follow the crowd. Maybe this is why Twitter is like this, but anyways... Loss of hope and joy from life. Loss of a parent, particularly a mother. Look, look at this. 
Loss of a parent, particularly a mother who is still alive and breathing, may cause a dull pain, and a child may begin to lose hope and faith, and the child may become depressed and suicidal. See, there's a reason I read. There's a reason I read all this. I wanted to make it more practical, because when it comes to um, um, social issues, we think that the word of God is obsolete. But the truth of the matter is, if we did many things the way God said to do them, there are many issues we face that we wouldn't need to face. There are many arguments we have we wouldn't need to have. Are you aware that the abortion issue is just a little of the overarching issues that we have? So a lot of people now, when... This is not, this is not um, a worldview class, so let's, let's, let me avoid going through all these things. But listen... A lot of people use all those arguments. And you need to understand that when it comes to the word of God, if we followed God's word, we'll have less of the issues we're having. So also, you need to bring it... Um, let me dwell on that for a bit before I move. So when we talk about, even beyond fornication, beyond having sex, and then um, enjoying the natural consequence, and all those things, Right? Because the reason why we have the conversation on abortion is many people always argue that um, abortion, what if? People always usually argue from exceptions to norms. Rather than we argue the norms, then we now address the exceptions. I, I do statistics a lot. I know they like a cap. This statistic was taken in, 20, in 2004. But the reason why it's very important is because a similar statistic was taken in 1987, and the numbers didn't change much. Let me read them to you. It says, this is, these are um, 74 percent of women who did abortions. The reason they did that was because having a baby would dramatically change my life. 73 percent said, "I cannot afford the baby now." 48% said, I don't want to be a single mother or I'm having relationship problems. 36, 38% said, I've completed my childbearing. 1% victim of rape. 0.5% the pregnancy is as a result of incest. 0.2% were, were, were circumstances where the life of the mother or the life of the child was in danger. What this tells us is all those talk is not, has nothing to do with this. It has nothing to do with this. Guys, are you with me, please? So, it, it is, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a domino of events. You know, people get married. And in fact, I'm just trying to make this very as clear as possible so we can understand everything I'm talking about and as intelligent as possible. Are you aware sex makes it harder to leave a toxic relationship? Experience, have you? <laughs> yes. Dopamine. Dopamine will make it hard. You say, ah! Such a beauty. No, no, is Dopamine has flooded your brain. Sex makes it hard. So, the truth, see, when I realized all these things and I started studying the social effects, I realized that almost in that simple flea your, is your safety. 
in everything that the word of God gives to us. In fact, when the Bible says, if any man finds himself behaving uncomely towards his virgin, let them marry. Safety. He said, rather than born, marry. Safety. Daniel Shea. <laughs> See, your wife is laughing because she's with me now. <laughs> safety. So our, the problems in our society is a domino of events that have gone wrong. And if we went back to what the word simply said, many things were just correct by themselves. One time, I was walking from home, I was going somewhere, and I saw some children, they were just walking on the street. I say, ah! Just say, all of them, why not go? All of them. <laughs> but now, if you do it, the mother will flog you. You say, it's not your child. Don't talk to my child like that. Amen. If we follow the word, we'll be fine. Now, the reason that has to apply to our circumstance is this. When God says this is the direction, even when it does not look like it, because I trust in the nature of God that he is good, I follow him. Are you with me, please? Turn your Bible with me. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Are you there? Look at verse 17. He said, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. The word father of light is an allusion to the sun. Of all the lights, the sun is the greatest, right? So he's talking about the sun being, uh, oh, that, was the, that was the logic here. We're talking about God being like the sun that has no shadow. So in him is no evil, in him is good. So everything he does and everything he says to do is good. I may not see it now, but if he says to go in this direction, it's for my good. How many of us have been in relationship that we said, this is the will of God, but as you are about to enter, an alarm was loud in your spirit. I said, run away, run away. And you got angry with God. You didn't talk to him for three weeks. But after a while, you realized that God was saving you from a lot. Let me see your hand. Sammy, raise your hand. <laughs> Anything God says is good. Number two thing under this thing of knowing who God is, is God is the all-wise God. You know, when the Bible talks about 1 Corinthians and it says, what eyes have not seen nor ears heard, neither has he entered into the heart of any man. These are the things that God has revealed to them that love him. And it was, you know, if you read down, the context basically speaks about the wisdom of God and things like that. The context of that was in salvation. Are you with me? The context of that was in what? Salvation. What that means is this. When it comes to salvation, you need to know that um, the same wisdom that crafted Jesus. In fact, the Bible lets us understand that he's the lamb that was slain from, from before the foundation of the world. So basically, before there was a fall, God had already, the solution was available in his wisdom. 
And the same wisdom that crafted it out, that at the fullness of time, you know, a lot of people say, why didn't Jesus just come and die as soon as, hmm. the Bible says that at the fullness of, there was a fullness of time. And in fact, history actually tells us that the time that Jesus died and the church started, in God's providence, it seems to have been the best time for the church to have started. Why? It was a time where the Roman Empire had conquered most of the world. So a lot of people were speaking Koine Greek. And then, you know, um, they could write letters. And it just seemed like everything came together at that period. So it was easy for, to aid the spread of Christianity. Are you, are you with me? So there was a fullness of time. So the same wisdom that crafted salvation, the same wisdom that brought it out in types and shadows, the same wisdom that orchestrated that men believed on the message that any man who believes on what was to come, even as we have believed on what has already happened, any man who believed that that salvation was so efficacious for him, the same wisdom that crafted it all out is the same wisdom that can lead us in our affairs. Are you guys with me, please? Talk to me. Are you with me? God is the all-wise God. He's the all-wise God. And even under God being good, another thing to understand is God is patient. God is patient. Listen, I'm just going to use some examples here. God is patient. If God, you know, Balaam or Balaam, Balaam, it's not too easy. Balaam. Balaam was going to um, curse the children of Israel. And then, because they had given him money, if anything God was saying, he was not going to hear. He was going to curse the children of Israel. And then uh, a donkey stood, um, an angel stood in his path with a sword. And then he flogged the donkey, flogged the donkey, flogged the donkey. <laughs> and then, flogged donkey, donkey said, uh-huh. So have I not served you faithfully all these years? And then the donkey spoke. There's something to learn from that is this. When God wants to, God is so patient that even when you're not seeing it, if he wants to get your attention, because he is good, he will. See, the first thing, you know, when it comes to the leadings of the spirit and teachings that have been done, we are so used to what we are to do to hear his voice that we don't know that he is so good as the enemy. <laughs> we don't know that if he wants to get your attention, he will because he is good. Everything that flows from God to us is first about him and not about us. Are you with me? It's first about him. So if God, how many of you, you know, you were in the season of your life, I've been there, you were so busy you know that God was trying to, you knew that God was trying to catch your attention, but you were so busy that three to four people came to you and gave you the same word. I've been there. And then at some point, you're saying, God, you are screaming. Why are you shouting, Lord? I hear you. Why are you shouting? Number two, Moses. Another example, Moses. Moses was, you know, I, I think, um, I was watching a documentary. It says that for bushes to burn in the desert where Moses was shepherding the flock of Jethro, it wasn't strange. It wasn't strange. See the way you're looking shy, Sammy. You can't even look at me. It's Twitter now. Start dragging everybody. <laughs> All right. So, um, 
when Moses was tending to the flock of Jethro, he actually wasn't strained because of the heat for bushes to spontaneously catch fire. But what was, and that's what was unique with this one. In fact, there's something to learn there. Something to learn there is if God wants to talk to you, he will talk to you with what is familiar with you. So Moses could probably have been seen, and it's a principle, I mean, that's why he heard his voice, he went to meet Eli. He said, when Samuel heard God's voice, he went to Eli. He said, did you call me? Moses had been seeing bushes burn. It was not strange. But when Moses, but this particular one, that's why he had to stop and check well. This particular one, it was burning, but it was not being consumed. And then when he stopped, and God now knew he caught his attention, God now started to speak to him. God is what? Patient. Many of us trust our ability to hear God more than God's ability to communicate to us. And that's the problem. And even when we have heard God, we trust our ability to fail than God's ability to fulfill his word. Are they preaching? <laughs> we, trust, we trust our ability. So even when we hear God's voice, we're not like, hey, these days I'm not even impressed with fear. <laughs> Anyways, we'll get to that. And then I spoke to Samuel. God called Samuel three times. He didn't pick God's voice. Three times. And then God said, then, then when Eli now said, you know what? Next time, say, speak, Lord, your servant hear it. And he did it. Some of us, the first time, the second time, you can't pick my voice. I call somebody else. We move. You call Hophni or Phineas. But God was patient. See, listen, God is not just your boss in context of Lord. He's your father. Are you guys with me, please? God is not just your boss. He's your what? He's your father. And he's good. Are you with me? Are you with me? He is what? He's good. And like I always drop on this one, I used to say, God spoke to people that had no re relationship with him in the Bible. How much more you who has his spirit indwelling you? Some of us, our minds are drifting. Please call your mind back. How much more you who has his spirit within you? Are you with me? God spoke to Pharaoh. He told him the financial future of his nation for 14 years. He didn't know the interpretation, but he spoke to him. God spoke to this guy. Another Pharaoh that took uh, this guy's wife, Abimelech. He took um, Abraham, Sarah. And then God spoke to him. He said, I will kill you. <laughs> oh, not speaking. He said, you have taken the prophet's wife. Do you even know something that was interesting about that story? God told Abraham, he said, I withheld him from touching Sarah. This is somebody that had no relationship with God. How much more you that self-control is a fruit of your spirit? Temperance. Do you what I'm saying? He withheld him. <laughs> somebody just said in his heart, I need that withholding. No worries, in your spirit already. Belshazzar, a hand appeared on the wall. If hand just appear here now, just write. Me, I will drop the mic. 
He may not have known what the, what the handwriting was. Because what was actually written on the wall was not mene mene tekel of asin. If it was, I mean, um, because uh, Daniel interpreted it in the language of the Chaldeans. Because the Bible tells us mene tekel of asin. He said in the tongue of the Chaldeans, this is what it meant. Right? But, and, but the Bible tells us that there were Chaldeans in the party. So if that was what was written, let me, let me explain it. So, um, how many of us are Igbo here? Why do we do this thing? Raise your hand. Good. Now, if a hand appears on the wall and starts writing, um, I'm a BHE. I won't see it and say, wow, what does this mean? Send for somebody. The Igbo people here, one should be able to tell me what it means. Do you get what I'm saying? Of course, it's not favor. Please. One should be able to tell me what it means. So, in that party, there were Chaldeans in the party. And if, if, um, if Mene Mene Tekel of Asim was what was written, he would have been able to interpret. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, but a hand appeared on the wall and wrote it, and Daniel came and interpreted. Basically, God communicated to him. In fact, the king had a dream that his kingdom was broken into three parts, divided among kings. And that happened. Persian Empire divided among parts. Amen. So, if God spoke to men who had no business with him, God can speak to you. How much more you who has the spirit within and you who is his child? Are you with me? God can Say, God speaks to me. Because I'm his child. If God spoke to men who had no business with him, how much more I? Who, who is his son? Good. Hope you didn't say daughter. Son is figurative for one who shares in the nature. You know, Matthew chapter 6, 26 tells us, if he takes care of the sparrows, how much more you? The Bible says, if, if the lilies of the field that today they are here, tomorrow they are cast into the oven. If all of them, they are more gloriously dressed than Solomon in all his riches. Yet God takes care of them and tomorrow they are told, how much more you? Listen, if God died, if, if this God is kind, huh? but because this God is kind and he directs, he takes care of the lilies, how much more you? Do you think that if you need direction, he will not give? See, some of us, first of all, we have a mental block. We have a mental block that does not let us understand that God cares or God is interested. So when it comes to leading, we first have to think, oh my God, any fast, any fast that is less than seven days, God will not speak. How many of you have gone to prayer to pray for something as you just enter, God just gave you direction, you didn't pray again? First of all, prayer is about us. It's not re- it changes us. It doesn't change him. So it, is not, it does not now really now, God, it does not now make God speaking at that point. It helps us to reset it. That's for another time. Another thought. It's just a couple of thoughts I've laid out because these are really important. Listen, God has no deformed children. That's the first thing. If you are born again, your birth is a spiritual birth. Right? So God has no deformed children. If God wants you to see, you will see. If God has something to communicate to you, you will hear. 
He did not give birth to any children, but in the spirit, they are deaf. The spiritual, the birth in Christ is a spiritual one. And that's why God, Jesus told um, Nicodemus, he said, except you are born of God, you cannot see. And Jesus told his disciples, he said, unto you have the what? Mysteries of the kingdom being given. So in Christ, revelation is a birthright in the word, of course, as well. Like if you are born again, you will see, your eyes will see the mysteries of Christ. The things that are foolishness to those who are perishing have become life to us. So also, if you are born of God, you can see. Say, I can see. I can perceive. I know the directions of God for my life. I know where God wants me to go. I know how God wants me to execute his plan. I know what to do. Hallelujah. Praise God. God... I put this in my note and now I'm thinking, do I need to answer this? I'll preach it. Not to teach it, I'll preach it. You know, in John chapter 9, a man came and he said, and then his disciples asked him, he said, who sinned? Okay, am I walking out of the frame? Okay. He said, who sinned that this man should be like this. And they had justification for asking that question. The reason they, they asked that question was, you know, I read a PhD thesis on sin and sickness in the Bible. And if you're pastoring now, you can't be stupid. Because if you say nonsense, people will catch you. And some of them will just look at you and say, hmm. And they will say anything. And after they will say, man of God, solid words. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways, so um, I read a PhD thesis and then the guy said something very intelligent. He said, you see, in that era, right? I, know, I don't know if you, uh, Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy, uh, where is that Deuteronomy that has the blessings if you obey and the cost is 32? 28, 28, 29, 28, 29. Now, it says, if you, if you obey, these are the blessings that will follow. If you disobey, sicknesses, all these things. He said, if you disobey, I will bring the sicknesses that were upon the children of Egypt upon God. There's recompense, there's reward. Right? So, now, that's why they asked that who sinned. Because they knew that sickness was a product of disobedience, according to the Mosaic law. But Jesus, you know, in scripture, knowledge was then progressive. Jesus now gave light. He now said nobody sinned. So, this one now is not sin. And he now said, but that the glory of God might be revealed. So, this one, it was not sin. And then when you read that, you might just think, God made him seek to reveal his glory. Not exactly. Because what exactly was the glory of God that was revealed that the man saw? Do you get what I'm saying? Shall I say it again? What exactly was the glory of God that was revealed? The glory of God that was revealed or God's goodness that was in expression was that the man, the man who was lame from birth could walk. And then they now said, that man is here for he said, I don't know. My own is. So that was what, so when you read that in service, a lot of people are now quick to say, ah, the glory of God was that God made him lame so that God can later. God does not need to do anything to prove that he is good. 
Goodness is not just an action for God. It's who he is. Are you with me? Is who he So, um, Jesus, so in Jesus doing that, we then get to understand two things, that there are causes of evil in this, in this world that is not God and is not sin. Another cause of evil is simple. Romans 8.22, we live in a fallen world. Amen. We live in a fallen world. This world is broken. It's broken. And that's why glory to God, we will be with him. Will, is it be, will it be before the rapture or after the rapture? We shall be with him. Whether it is a pre-trib or post-trib, yes, that's what they call it. We will be with him. Amen. And then when we will be with him, there will be no more pain, no more tears, no more tears. I want to sing this song. Um, is that song? We will meet in the golden city in the new Jerusalem. Where all our tears and all our pains will be no more. Joshua, touch this thing. We will stand with the host of heaven and cry, Holy is the Lamb. We will worship and adore you forevermore. We will meet in the golden city in the new Jerusalem. Where all our tears and all our pains will be no more. We will stand with the host of heaven and cry, Holy is the Lamb. We will worship and adore you forevermore. One more time. We will meet in the golden city in the new Jerusalem where all our tears and all our pains will be no more. We will stand with the host of heaven and cry, holy is the Lamb. We will worship and adore you forevermore. So, you know, I put, I put a tweet. Um, I said, the responsibility of the church is not national transformation. And I was dragged. I was dragged. You dragged me, I dragged you back. We do talk of war. And then I told a friend of mine, I said, I put this and they dragged me. He said, eh, those people, their heaven, this is their heaven. Ah, he hits me. He said, this is their heaven. You see, people that are fixated on money. You know why? Do you know? You know, I did a teaching called Living by Revelation. Do you know why the apostles tell us to live in moderation? They tell us to live in moderation and soberly because Jesus is coming. We should live in moderation. And then we should live soberly because you... So our aim is not in the things that we have. We find greater joy in the one that is coming for us. Are you with me? So, we live like this. So, when a lot of people are fixated on me, when a lot of people are fixated on national transformation, building boho, <laughs> when a lot of people are fixated on all those things, the truth of the matter is this. They think heaven ends here. They think this is the best of the two worlds. Is here. And a lot of people were saying, what of David, Daniel? Oh God, you are not in Babylon. You are in Nigeria. You are not in a foreign land. You don't even occupy any political place. And of course, if you are in a political place, you are definitely, and yes, we need people who honor the gospel in places like that. 
But to say that Jesus came because the government shall be upon his shoulders. You think? That's a rock. God forbid. Someone quoted one verse. He said, in this verse, you see the executive legislation and judicial. I didn't reply it. I said, you are far gone. I can't help you. He said, in this one, you see the executive I said, be going. Carry your issues. Amen to God. Listen. He said, he said, he said, those people, this is their heaven. This is their heaven. This is their eternity. This is their eternity. Anyways. God has no deformed children. Romans 8. Let me just quickly read it. Let's read from verse 20. He said, For the creature was made subject to vanity. It was made subject to vanity. The word vanity is matiotis. It means uh, depravity. To bend something out of scope. The earth was made subject to vanity. It was in the fall that possibilities began to be introduced like death. And the things like that. Amen. Means depravity. He said, not willingly, but by reason of him who had subjected the same in hope. Who is the him here? Who is the him here now? Who is the him? It's Adam. It's Adam. Okay, I'm still in 18. He said, um, where are we? Sorry, we're in 20. Hmm. Okay. He said, but the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of what? Corruption. Corruption. Decay. Into the glorious liberty of the what? Children of God. Look at 22. He said, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. See, and that's why you read verse 19 where he says, for the earnest creature of the expectation... For the next creature, for the next expectation of the creature, waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. Now, this verse does not mean revival is coming. This verse means that even because the earth has been bent out of scope, in the earth redemption is even when Jesus comes and we are changed, the earth too will be changed. The corruption will be done away with. So even creation is waiting to see what we will be like. Because in our salvation is this, you know. A new heaven, new earth, everything. Amen. That's what this verse means. It's not saying some men are coming. Ah, they're coming. Glory is coming. No, don't worry, don't play. <laughs> so like I was saying, God is perfect. Say God is perfect. God is perfect. And your spirit is in perfect union with him. The Bible says, you and the Lord, you, you are one spirit with him. See, that changes everything. When you understand that your spirit is in perfect union with God, and that's why we have devotion. We study. We pray. We fast. We do all these things. We live from the inside. Why? Because, you know, I had somebody explain spiritual growth like this. So powerful. He said, what we are doing is we are unlearning death and we are learning life. So, there is a way our body is used to acting. There are ordinances of the flesh, Right? 
But when we live from within, we unlearn how to live after the flesh and we live after the spirit. So, um, I'm trying to see. Anyways, so our spirit already knows is in perfect you. So when we educate our minds, when we spend time praying, when we do all those things, we are telling our body and our actions and everything that we have and we are to catch up with the realities of who we are. And that's why Paul tells us in Colossians 3, he said that we are dead to sin. He said, therefore, mortify sin in your mortal body. So you are dead to sin and because you are dead, you can put sin to death in your body. You can't tell the believer to mortify sin. He's a slave to sin. If I tweet this now, they will say, who are you to call under man slave? Argue with Paul. The unsaved man is a what? Slave to sin. He's a slave to sin. Amen. He's a slave to sin. And, and that's why Paul would tell us things like, yield your body to righteousness unto holiness. He does not say walk. He said yield. You can yield. Say I can yield. I can yield. You can yield. You can yield your members to righteousness. Because you can, that's why he tells you to do it. Because you have been ransomed from the grip of sin and death, he can now tell you to give yourself to it. Amen. So we read on. Um, your spirit is in perfect union with God's spirit. So if God wants to communicate anything to your spirit, you can get it. Your spirit is, God made, like I said, God has no deformed children. So if God wants to speak to you, you will get it. Deformities and everything that we see, we can actually say that they are products of the fall. They are products of the fall. So it is not God's splendid design that some people be deformed. Hence, we can make the argument that, see, if, God has, if you are saved, it's not God's design that you in the spirit, you'll be deaf. You can hear him. Praise the Lord. You know, the James, James 1, let's read this. Let me not stop quoting are you, are you learning something? Ah, sorry, can you turn the camera away from me? Have you turned it away, away from me? Is it away? Ah, can I bring it back? James 1. Let me, let's read from verse... 21. He said, Wherefore, lay aside all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. He said, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man, behold, beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself and he goeth his way, 
and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continue daring, he be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This man shall be what? Blessed in his deeds. So he's telling us that a man who is a doer of the word is like, or a man who is not a doer of the word is likened to a man who sees himself in the mirror and forgets how he looks. Hence, a man who will do the word is a man who knows the word, who remembers the word. If the word, and that's why he likens it to a mirror. See, if the word of God is going to have, if the word of God is going to have its place in your life, you must, first of all, revere the word of God and you must remember. You must remember the word. You must remember the word. The word must be shaped. The word must shape us. A man who will first do must remember. You know, I used to, I put up this argument, this thing on Twitter one time, and I'll say it even more. Some people are saying, this guy likes Twitter. I'll put this up, I, I put this up on Twitter, and I'll even say it more explicitly. See here. I said, are you in a season of waiting or nobody is asking you out? Have you? Have you not met people that say, ah, I'm in a season of waiting. The Lord told me, I should wait. Two weeks later, they are in a relationship. You're like, ah, is that how short the wait is? <laughs> so also, I used to tell people this. Why, whether you are, whether you are, why are you morally decent? Why are you, hmm, let me put it this way. Are you morally decent or there is no opportunity for immorality? No, you know the two are different. <laughs> the two are different. So. And when I ask people why, you say, I'm keeping myself on my husband. See, behave yourself. Let's be serious. Give yourself a husband that he did what for you. And not keep yourself for the one that bought you with his blood. So, the truth is, we have some ideas that are culturally bought. We buy, we bought into it culturally, and by home training, that we sprinkle Christianity on top. Why won't you take money? It's bad. Uh -uh. It's bad, eh? Uh -huh. Well, you know, when I started learning sound doctrine, and I started studying the Bible, one thing I realized was, everything the apostles told us to do, they didn't just tell us to do it for doing sake. They had reasons. So Paul would tell them in 1 Corinthians 7, he would tell them not to misbehave. Why? Because know ye not that your what? Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. He would tell us about modesty. Why? Because Jesus is coming. He will tell us to be sober. Why? Because Jesus is coming. He will tell us to love because he first loved us. He will tell us to forgive, even as Christ for God's sake hath forgiven you. So he didn't just tell us to do it. He told us why. A lot of people don't know the why. And then after a while, they say, you know what? All these things is a scam. You never had conviction. Morals is not conviction. They are not the same thing. 
if we're not streaming, as I said some things, but we're streaming, remember? No, we're not posting it. Please, now then they partner with my ministry. I know they partner. It's true, it's true. <laughs> true. Bunia has not partnered in one now. I'm not joking. Praise <laughs> God. So, the, if the word of God is going to have its place in your life, you are going to first to have to know the word and remember the word. Not just in morals now, in, um, in um, what's the word? Not just in morals, but in, in every aspect of the Christian faith that is taught. Say amen. In every aspect of the Christian faith that is taught, must be known. You must remember. And this is, you see, there is no point talking about following the leading of God if we're not going to talk about this one. If we're not going ah, to change this camera. Wow. There's no point following the leading of God if we're not going to talk about this particular one. Listen. Hmm. Let's read first. 2 Timothy 4.3. Are you there? Are you there? Don't mind me. Do your thing, okay? Do your thing, do your thing. 2 Timothy 4.3. He said, are you there? He said, you see, this was Timothy, a spiritual father. <laughs> like trouble. <laughs> Hey, see, when you gaze on the word, anyways, second <laughs> Timothy 4 3. It's, it's graces. Wow, Baba, thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'll finish now. I'll finish. I'll finish. All right, I'm done now. Let's 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 run faster than chariots now. Um, <laughs> Second Timothy four three, he said, "For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they what? Say that again. Shall they what?" Heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. He says, and they shall what? Turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto what? Fables. You know, somebody said something that was very harsh, but is true to an extent. He said, he said, I can't remember the exact way he said it. He said, um, if people have, he, um, he sharpens it along the lines of people who have false teachers, they deserve them. Why? Because it's itching ears. Now, it's not always true. Because some people, that's, that's the only truth they've known. In quotes. But most times, it'll be like that. Have you met people who, 
And many of us were like this too until the truth kept on, the truth kept on um, breaking our walls down brick by brick. Have you met people who you, you will show them the word, exegete properly. They will say, that's your own. <laughs> and that's why I keep saying it. The way I see it is not Christian truth. The way it is to me is not truth. The truth is not a feeling, it's a fact. So he said, having itching ears, they will turn away from the truth. Some people, you know, there are people who, you know, when I do prophetic grammar, I see people who come up and they're expecting me to say your finances. There's a shift. There's an increase. <laughs> and then I look at them and I say, the Lord says you should spend time praying. And I can see them feeling disappointed. Oh, you want me to call your father? My father, I pray. <laughs> I'm praying. Nonsense. You know, I went to Bowen University to preach, and people were coming to me for counseling. And oh, I told the protocol guys, I said, I want to, I feel like I should see some people. 90% of the people I saw, many of the things that they were bringing up, if they prayed and studied consistently, they would be fine. They will be fine. See, the gifts of the Spirit, the things of God, all those other things, they are supposed to be, um, uh, they're supposed to be, give the hand. I wanted, to, I, was, I wanted to ask you what they call that thing. They're supposed to be the, they are supposed to be the icing on the cake, not the entire cake. Everything, every word, everything that has to do with your work with God, even the gifts of the Spirit that is communicated and things like that, they are supposed to consolidate on what you have with God. They are not supposed to be the totality of your work with God. Some people's prayer life is only, the angels know that they only speak in tongues Sunday, Sunday morning. And after Sunday morning, no tongues again. No prayer life, not, no devotion. Just wake up, ah, you are faithful. As I go, go before me. Show me favor. Amen. And you now go. Oh, I said something in the beginning. I think the Lord wants me to say this. You know, I said something in the beginning where I said, has the Lord told you not to enter a relationship and later you found out he was saving you? Sometimes he was saving the other person. <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, I think I'm saying that because I'm seeing my stance too. There was somebody the Lord told me not to date. If we had dated, we would ruin each other's lives. We would have. Back then, hey God. Amen. Yes, sometimes God is not just saving you. He's saving. You need to understand, both of, especially if two of you are his children. He might be saving the other person or saving two of you from impending doom. Say doom. doom. Mm. But sometimes it was the other person. You are the problem. It's not them, it's you. <laughs> so, having itching ears. There are people who, when it comes to the leading of God, they want to hear only what they want to hear. So, you go, and some of us, we have a dimension of it sometimes. When we go to prayer, and we are praying about many things, 
and God is speaking about all that. And you're like, Lord, I know this is important, but how be it? This one, <laughs> right? Now, so a lot of, we, we can rush like that. But listen, there's no point in seeking leading if your mind has been made up. See, let's, let's, let's be honest with each other. Are you aware? Do you know what makes serving God scary? What makes serving God scary is we are serving a God who does not just look on the outward. He knows your heart. So when you are saying, um, when you are saying, I cannot know you by myself. Take over. I cannot go on my own. You have gone. In your mind, you have reached. your mind, you have reached. But what you are waiting is for God to say, I shall be with you and shall hold your peace. That's, that's what you are looking for. Anything that the Lord is saying, turn back. If the Lord says turn back, you say that's the wickedness of the wicked. It cannot be my God. There is no point in talking about consecration if your mind is made up. There is no point in talking about consecration if your mind... There is no point in talking about leading if your mind is made up. Amen to God. There is no point talking about leading if your mind is made up. If your mind is made up. So this may be talking about doctrine, but I tell you on God, it applies to us in every area of our lives, even leading. I've told God, there are many times when the Lord gives me leadings and I say, Father, you know me. If you tell me I should... This thing should end now. You know all the plans. When you speak, all contradictions cease. I continually say, I say, God, you know. Amen. Matthew 12. In fact, before we even go to Matthew, okay, let's read Matthew 12, then I'll consolidate on this. Matthew 12. 39. I might go back a few verses anyway so that we can get the gist. Are you there? Look at, let's read from 38. He said, Then setting of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil an adulterous, this is Matthew 12. Are you with me? <coughs> this is Matthew 12. What this means is many things have happened prior. Many things have happened before this time. So him, them saying that they are seeking a sign. What is wrong with you? Let's read on. It says, Jesus answered, but he answered and said unto them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks a sign. And there shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. Right? But as Jonah was there, da, 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 da. So basically, Jesus was saying that no other sign, but the sign that was already spoken in scriptures. Are you with me? No other sign, but the sign that was already spoken in scripture, which is talking about his death, his burial and resurrection will be given. No other sign. 
Can I tell you the truth about the thing about signs? Signs are not enough to convince a man. They are not. If your mind is made up, nothing will shake you. Nothing will, nothing will convince you otherwise. You know, there's an apologist. He was having a debate with an atheist and he told him, if I show you this thing is true, will you believe? Thought about it for a bit and he shouted, no! So there's no point arguing with him. No ev evidence is never enough for a man that is blind. Are you guys with me, please? So Jesus told them that, and that's what a lot of people do. When the word is clear, seek no other leading. Are you with me, please? When the word is clear, see, when the word is clear and you are seeking another leading, many times it's itching ears. So, this verse tells us that there are some people that are praying for leading and is annoying God. Was Jesus God? Was Jesus, is Jesus God? Were they asking for a sign? Was he upset? There are many people that are asking for a sign and God is like, what is wrong with you? Please, am I making sense? And it's like, what is wrong with you? When the word is clear, seek no other sign. When it comes to leading, mm, I just got a quotable quote. If it is written, seek no other leading. So seed, I need 50 people. <laughs> if it is written, please, don't look for any other thing. If the word has said it, believe it, and that settles it. So, you know, Sammy, Sammy put up something that, that was very interesting. He said, please don't follow him on Twitter. He's a heretic. He says heretical things. I'm not even joking. <laughs> so, Sammy put up something, you know, they were talking about this uh, God said I should marry you thing. You know, we have, we have built a certain level of... Now, we are so educated that when people say that, you're like, what nonsense. Please, make no mistake. God can lead you to who to marry. Please, let's not throw away the baby with the bathwater. Okay. Does God lead everybody like that? You'll be single for a long time. A very long time. So, but this is the truth. Um, he said, imagine we attributed the level of carefulness and discernment. Those were not his words. His words were more erroneous. <laughs> imagine we attributed the level of um, discernment we attributed to God said I should marry you to every other God said. Because people expect that when they tell you the Lord spoke to me, you say, wow. I believe you. I'm behind you solidly. Because when God speaks, who can question him? You can't question God, you can question you. What did you hear, sir? Any question? What did you hear? So, if, if, we are, if, we are, if we handle the word carefully, you see, it's very instructive that Jesus traveled with them from uh, when, they were at, uh, when they were traveling the road to Emmaus. 
And then Jesus revealed himself from scripture before they saw his. People say, there's, there's, there's a contention on that, yeah. But before he showed them who he was as per his person, they saw, he revealed himself from the word first. He's instructive. It means that before anything spectacular, supernatural, what does the word say? What does the word say? The word is the surest place for leading. The Bible says, whatsoever your hand findeth to do. Do with what? All diligence. And I'm saying, Father, I don't like work. I don't, I don't really care about sources of income, Jesus. Um, should I work? Mm-mm. Stay at home. Are you guys with me? Hallelujah. What you incline your ear, what you are, what you incline towards, you are likely to hear. What you incline towards, you are likely to hear. In consecration, you stay your heart. Are you with me, please? Talk to me. Are you with me? In consecration, you stay your heart. Then in trust, you hone timing. Consecration is if the Lord says move left, even when right looks priceless, you move left. Can I tell you something? Many of us were afraid to let go of things because we don't understand that the God who gave us that thing can give us again. And even if he doesn't give me, following him alone is delight enough. There's a reward in eternity that nothing in time can beat. Are you with me? There's a reward in eternity that what? Nothing in time can beat. And this is very important. Consecration is to understand that when you come to God for living, you come naked. Okay. Um, and this one needs to be talked about because the truth is, like I said, what you incline your ears to what you are likely to hear. I feel loud. What you... What you, what you incline your ears towards... Can you all hear me? What you incline your ears towards, you are what? Likely to hear. And then when it comes to trust, see, consecration and trust are two very important schools in the leading of the spirit. When it comes to trust, you need to also understand that even at the times God is silent, he's still good. At the times when I'm confused and there's no express direction, God is... Do you understand what I'm talking about? At the times when God, God is silent and there's no express direction, sometimes, most times, what that means is to just keep doing what you're doing. And then just keep trusting him for what next. You need to understand that the times that God is silent, he's still good. That's very important. Very important. Very important. Amen. So, um, again, ladies and gentlemen, let me say that again. Consecration is important. Trust is important. Consecration to say that anything you tell me to do, I will do it. 
trust to say that even when you are silent, even in the times when it seems like you're even telling me to go in the path that seems like a wrong direction, I trust you. Are you with me, please? Respond. Are you with me? All right. Now, let's move on. Um, another thing I want to... Ah, I was afraid. It's actually... The time is... This is the time. Oh. Wow. Okay. Another thing I want to talk about is this. Um, listen. Shall I talk about this last? Okay. Devotion is key. See, your devotion is key. Your devotion is key. If you don't fellowship with the Lord, if you don't fellowship with the Lord, sorry, is, is, you want to put it off? I'm hot. Oh. Turn on that one, please. Amen. First of all, your devotion is key. And the reason I'm saying your devotion is key is because, see, if you don't, um, you know, a man of God said this. He said, if you pray 30 minutes every day, you will have a more robust spiritual experience than somebody who prays seven hours once a week. And that man of God put it this way. He said, this one sounds deep. He said, your spirit will be more lubricated. <laughs> right? So, see, when it comes to devotion, yes, there is the length. There is the length. But something that is really important is the consistency. In devotion, we hear Jesus say, when ye pray, it's expected that you pray. We don't turn that, that one on. When you pray, 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 your devotion is key. I'm not going to dwell too much on this. But see, your devotion is key. In your walk with God, if you are consistently going to have to be in step with God, you're going to have to have a prayer life and a Bible study culture. You're going to have to. If you don't, your work with God will not amount to much. Leadings will always come as a shock. In fact, in the place of prayer, you get leadings, and then in the place of prayer, there is strength to carry out those leadings. Glory to God. All right. Let me, let me just show us this before I continue. Um, turn your Bible to 1 Corinthians. Or should I do from 1 Corinthians? No. Let's, 1 Corinthians, we'll come back to 1 Corinthians last. Turn your Bible to... Hmm. Should I start with Romans? Okay, Romans, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 
incógnitas. Okay. Are you there? Talk to me now. Are you there? Romans chapter 8. Let's go to verse 22. Let's let's even start from 22. Look at verse... Sorry, did I say Romans 8.22? My bad. My bad. Um, 14. Let's read from verse 9. He said, but you are not in the flesh, but in the what? The child of God is in the what? He's not in mood. He's where he is. Amen. He said, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. You are not in this flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God does what? Dwell in you. He said, now if any man hath not the what? Spirit of Christ. He is what? None of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is what? Talk to me now. Life because of? He said, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh, for if you live after the flesh, ye shall. But if ye through the Spirit, if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall what? Live. So what is the context of what he's talking about? Sin, right? Sin. Okay. Look at this. Sin, adoption, everything is intermingled together. Um... He now says, look at verse 14. He now said, but for as many... Well, adoption is the overarching context, but when you come to verse 13, he was talking about mortifying sin in the flesh through the what? Spirit. Look at verse 14. He said, for as many as are what? Led by the Spirit of God, they are the what? Sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby spirit of adoption, whereby we cry what? So look at what he says. He said, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the what? Sons of God. Hmm. Now, it's just like, what he's actually saying is, he's not saying if you are led, you are a son. He's actually using that to prove a point, that sons are those who are led by the Spirit. And the context of the leading here is moral leading. Because if you look from verse 13, please pay attention. If you look from verse 13, he was talking about mortifying the, the, the deeds of the flesh by the workings of the spirit. So, in this, he's saying that anybody who chooses the workings of the spirit as against the deeds of the flesh is led by the spirit. Do you get what I just said? Let me show you somewhere again. Turn your Bible to Galatians 5. Galatians 5.18.
Look at what it says here. It says, but if ye be led of the Spirit, you... <clears throat> then before I even go there, let's read from verse 16. Look at what it says. It says, this I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall know what? So what is the context again? Sin, right? And it says, or, or sin and overpowering sin by the walkings of the Spirit, right? Look at verse 17. It said, for the flesh lusted against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh, for the flesh lusted against the Spirit, against the flesh, and these are contrary one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Look at 18. He said, but if ye be what? You are not? He now goes on to tell you about the works of the flesh and then the fruit of the Spirit. So, by implication, those who are led by the Spirit, what do they express? The fruit of the Spirit. So, if you read from this verse 17, where it said the flesh lost against spirit so that you cannot do the things you The leading of the Spirit here is a moral leading. So, when there is a temptation before you and the Spirit of God is nudging you to pick righteousness, that's leading. When the Bible speaks of leading, these are the two contexts we see leading explicitly. It talks about moral leading. This is leading. Are you with me? And many times, you know, a lot of people despise this one and want to get who to marry. And the truth of the matter is, see, with the things of the Spirit, you get better practice. The more you teach the Word, the better you do it. The more you evangelize, the better, the more you flow in the things of the Spirit, the better you get at it. Just like this one too. If you despise these leadings, even the more um, spectacular ones, in quotes, two options, which one do I take, Lord? It will be harder. Especially when you don't have a devotion culture. You now want to become an emergency prayer warrior. Yeah. I've seen people who You've never had vigil. But because there are three guys asking you out, you now do three days vigil. That's, that, sound, that seems spiritual, but I hope you know that's idolatry. Amen. So, the leadings here is moral leadings. Let me show you something. Um... Coming. Um, I think it's First Corinthians twelve two. Let me be sure. Am I wasting your time? Wonderful. Are you there? Are you there? He said, "Ye know that ye were Gentiles, carried away unto what." These dumb idols, even as you were what? Now, of course, the word leading here is the same word that Paul used in Romans 8, 14. Where as many as are what? In fact, when reading Galatians, we get to even see it explicitly. You are led by the flesh or led by the spirit. If you are led by the you will exhibit the what? Works of the flesh. If you are led by the spirit, you do what? Exhibit the fruit of the spirit. So, these guys were worshipping idols. But they were not just doing it. There is a leading that was taking them. Are you guys following me, please? There is a leading that was following them. 
that was leading, there was something that was leading them. And what is that? Is the spirit of disobedience. It's the spirit that works in the children of disobedience. That's what Paul said. Praise God. Problems. Always. That's what Paul said. Hallelujah to God. So, now this is leading. You also now need to understand that as you practice these things, you get better. Moral leading is the first leading. I've talked about the word. I've talked about moral. It's the first. In fact, how God leads you in circumstances, in these circumstances, is actually how he leads you in many circumstances. How God leads most of the time is the inward witness. The same way when you know you want to choose unrighteousness and the Spirit is prompting you that this is not the way to go. It's the same way when you want to make other decisions that he prompts you same way. Are you with me, please? He prompts you same way. The problem is this. Many of us, we have an expectation or we have how we want God to lead us. So you see somebody come and said, you see that an angel walked into my room and he said, my name is Junaid. And the Lord is sending me to you. We want that. We want that. So, if he no reach like that, no be leading. And the reason we want that too is carnal. Because we also want to say things like, do you, do you know who appeared to me? Junaid. You know. <laughs> we, we want things like that. So, because... Because it is not spectacular, it doesn't look supernatural enough. Can I tell you something? An inward witness and vision have the same authority. If it's from God, they have the same authority. And it's not really about how spectacular the vision is. It's the leading. It's what you do with it. How did, how did NIM start? There was no there was no, I did not see the angel of this call come and say, young man, he just came and he opened the scroll. <laughs> he said, Thus said the Musa, the courts of heaven and the legislative council of Zion. And I read, he said, To you, Nelson, in here, I'm undersigned. I hereby come to you today to say, NIM must start in earnest. He rolled the existing and fly. He said, Please open the door to fly. <laughs> No. How NIM started was, first of all, I woke up that morning. And as I woke up that morning, some mornings prior, I was praying. Actually, months prior, I had men saved, men trained, men sent. And I thought it was for something much later. And then I started, um, I was holding a couple of meetings. I was holding stay every month. And then the Lord told me, he said, bring everything you are doing under one name. That was it. No vision. He said, bring it under one name. And I brought it. And we are here. Many, many other leadings that the Lord has given me. You know, I realized that the leadings that have counted for, not just even that. See, I realized that as you grow with God, the leadings become less spectacular. Because you don't need it. DB and I now, for example, there's a way... We, we may be six in a conversation. Somebody will say something. I'll look at him. He will look at me. Then we'll look at the person again. 
We've said four sentences. Are, are you with me? We've said four sentences. As you grow in God, the leadings don't need to be spectacular. The most important thing is, is he leading? If he's leading, it's enough. Are you guys with me, please? If he's leading, it's what? It's, please fill the seat in front of you. Don't sit at the back. Fill the seat in front of you. All right, there's an empty seat here. There's an empty seat here. Please fill the seat in front of you. You know, saints, old saints, uh, I mean, people who got saved in the 90s, in the 80s, there's a term they know. It's called a check in my spirit. How many of you know? How many of you have parents who use such terms? He said, I felt a check. If they are fresher, they say a red light. If they grew up in assemblies of God, it's check. Or four square. Those are OG charismatic places. So I felt a check in my spirit and inward witness. Listen, see, let me tell you, you need to know, nobody, when it comes to divine leading, this subject is inexhaustible. Nobody can exactly teach you just like words of knowledge. I can teach you how it works, what happens, what it is. But to walk, you have to step out in faith. Nobody can tell you four steps. And see, you can know four steps and never give a word of knowledge in your life. Are you with me, guys? So, listen. When it comes to this thing, you need to know how God leads you. And you need to know, you know, there was a time when I was fasting and I wanted to be sure on something that God had spoken, but I just wanted to be sure. I played a, a man of God's message. That was my leading. I played his message. There was a relationship I was about to enter. I went back home. I was listening to sermons. That sermon, every sermon was shouting, the will of God! <laughs> when God doesn't want me to do something, my heart will be heavy. I'll just know as every time I think about it, there's a yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, let me ask. How many of us know Pastor Jerry? Is he? Okay. That's what God cannot do. I hope you know that statement is biblical, yeah. Okay. Let's move on. So I remember I was watching him talk about how the Lord told him to get to full-time ministry. And then he was saying that God told him to go. He quit his job December 1st, 2000 or something. And then he quit. His boss said, stay. You are a young man. You have prospect. Said this is what God wants me to do with tears in my eyes. Has God told you to do? See, many people that say, the Lord is leading me, but I'm afraid. You are in good company. We are plenty. Trust me, it's not only you. We are many. But I would rather fail doing what I thought was God than always wonder, what if I had taken that decision? I'd rather fail following God. Because the truth is, all the structures you trust in, they can also fail. They can also fail. So, and again, like I said, it's all those, we don't believe that what God gives us, he can give us again. So we're afraid to let go. Anyways, Pastor Jerry was talking, and then he said, you know, the Lord told him to quit his job. He quit. He said money was not now coming the way he wanted, the way he used to. He went to apply for another job. He was talking to Saudi, and then the person gets me connect with Gozi Okonjo Iweala. And then 
she got him. In fact, he went to me. He, she interviewed him personally at the final stage. They were just laughing through the interview. He said he will never forget the name. When you have this lady, you will know. He never forget the name. The lady called the person and said, can they print the appointment letter immediately? Guys, are you with me? Maybe you can just bend it down. Bend the vent down. Or is it swinging? Anyways, he said, he said, can they um, print, print the appointment letter now? And then he said that when she said do the appointment letter now, what he was hearing is sign his termination letter, his murder letter. Sign it now. He said as he was walking out of the office, he was shaking. He said he lost his peace. He was shaking. He called his friend. He said, see, I've lost my peace. His friend said, eh, don't start. Say, better find that peace. He said, the way I hustle to get this thing, find that peace. And then he was on the plane. He said, God, promise me. A couple of other things. Now, you see that check in your spirit, it can save you from danger. Even danger that looks good. It is not in man to direct his path. There is a way that seems right unto a man. But the end is destruction. There's ways of death. You may say that, ah, this looks great. See, when God tells you not to go, remember where we started from, he is good. And if he tells me not to go, even when everything looks juicy, I trust him. I trust him. Can I tell you something? Anyways. I've answered, I've answered the one of when God is saying nothing already, right? Now, in the cases where um, there's no leading whatsoever on some things, he came more. Anyways. In cases where God is not saying anything, can I tell you, there are some times that when it comes to leadings, and this is why you need to walk with God and have a devotion so you can perceive. You grow in your perception. There are some times where the Lord is probably, some leadings are not, he's not saying yes, he's not saying no. How many of you have had a, a, a place where God, where God has hinted you something like, take whatever decision you like, it's fine. I've been there. It sounds strange to some of us, like, eh, God, yes. It's because there are some decisions that they are just decisions. Make your decisions. For some people and sometimes, is who you marry. Ah, somebody's like, eh, to calm down. So, I've been in those situations where I was like, Lord, what do you say? Whatever you do is fine. Pick, just do something. Even... See, on the large scale, when it comes to your career, except career is assigned to the, directly linked to what God has asked you to do. Eh? Most, for the most part of it, it does not matter. For the most part of it, it does not matter. For the most part of it, the answer is whatsoever your hand finds to do. You know, some of us, there are some questions we ask when it comes to leading. Eh? That we never ask it when God is asking us to give money. So, you see, on your job, something you should do, you're asking the Lord, Father, how far? But the Lord said, give 100,000 to this church. You say, Lord, I want to be sure it's you. Speak again. My friend, give the money. Can I say something? I realize that as we are growing and we are being woke, we are being stingy to our detriment. 
You don't hear people give leaders anymore that the Lord says I should give this. I be God that stop operating like that. Okay. Praise Jesus. The Christian life is a led life. Listen, remember I said that you were carried away onto dumb idols as what? As ye were led. They were led. Just turn off the swing. They were led. Please focus on me. Leave AC alone. They were led. See, the Christian life is led. You are the man that has the Holy... There's a map in your spirit. You are the one that has the Holy Ghost. You are not confused. The one who orchestrated the salvation plan is the one who is leading you. Guys, are you with me, please? Is the one who is leading. In the word, all leadings must make sense. In the word, all leadings must be judged. Listen, I, a lot of people, are, they will have a dream and they're like, what does it mean? What does, relax. If a dream is supposed to have a meaning, God will communicate it to you. Or at least, if a dream is supposed to be significant, you, even though you, you, may, you will just speak it in your heart that this dream is significant. And then you now begin to pray. Some dreams is just what you ate yesterday night. Right? But if it's significant, and this is why I'm, I'm talking about devotion. As you grow in God and as you fellowship more in God, you will not be able to discern things. And then you will know what to pay attention. See, 80% of the speaking, most, in fact, a large chunk of the speakings of God to the man in Christ, they are not spectacular. Jesus said, if I don't go, he will not come. So what we have right now is better than what the disciples had if Jesus was in the flesh. Because what the Holy Ghost does now, Jesus would not have been able to do if he was in the flesh. The Holy Ghost is in a sense like everything Jesus would have been if he was with the disciples. This is what the Holy Ghost is to us now personally. Guys, are you with me? So, in having the Holy Ghost, we are content. We have every leading. We have everything we will need to be communicated with us. Amen to God. Amen to God. So, child of God, listen. That's why I'm telling you, grow in devotion so that you can perceive what is what. More recently, there are times in my heart where I just perceive what God is doing. When I ask the Lord a question, I can perceive his heart posture. It's not like he, speak, he said anything. I can just perceive his heart posture and I know what to do. Are you with me? Guys, talk to me. Are you with me? I can perceive his heart posture and I what? I just know what to do. Amen. Um, please, can I get you a chair? Or chairs, a stack of chairs, like three, so that I can just take questions. Take from the back. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when you understand that moral leadings are leadings, it puts the pressure off you for the leading to be spectacular. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. Just drop me. Thank you. It puts the pressure off you for the leading to have to be spectacular, for the leading to be correct. Amen. So listen, child of God, you are led. 
if in if in choosing righteousness he leads you, how much more every other thing? And in that choosing righteousness, he didn't speak. You felt it here. Most again, please grow in your devotion. Because if you grow in your devotion, your perception will be better. You will just know what God wants. And you will know the steps to take. How many of you have just gone to pray and it's not like God said, you just knew what to do? That's speaking. Don't limit God by what you think is special. John the Baptist never did any miracle. But he was greater than Elijah who called fire and 153 men. Because in, he said, of, um, no prophet, uh, no, uh, John the Baptist was greater than all the prophets, but the least in the kingdom is greater than John. Why? Because greatness, or in the eyes of God, when it comes to growth, is not really about the workings of the spirit per se. It's about revelation. Of all the prophets that walked in the spirit, John was the closest to the revealed Christ. It was one that showed him first. And then the least in the kingdom sees Christ even better than John did. Because all John knew about Christ was Christ according to the flesh. So that's why the revelations of Christ in the Gospels and the revelation of Christ in the Epistles are different. In the Gospels, only Christ died. In the Epistles, many died. In the Gospels, only Christ rose. In the Epistles, many rose with him. It's called baptism. Amen? So, so also, you need to understand that the value of your work with God is not about how you is not about your feelings and your chest and how spectacular it is no it's God communicating to you amen all right so let's just have a second mic let me take questions ah sweet Jesus I'm forever yes questions there's a mic there questions Somebody should just check YouTube so that we can maybe on ye. In case we have questions on YouTube. So questions on what we are talking about. <laughs> Anybody? Just raise your hand though. Or we'll move on. I think I want to go to um I want to eat yao yo. Dangerous and mala like this. Alpha. Okay. You know how this thing always works? Everybody will wait for two people to raise their hand. Praise the Lord. Glory. Good afternoon, sir. Shalom. Oh. <laughs> um, you do while you were teaching. That's you... the answer. Yes, I'm joking. I'm joking, God. <laughs> I'm joking, God. Okay. While you were teaching, you said um, um you gave an example of Apostle Paul. And you said um, he won't just tell us to do something. He will tell us why we should do it. And you said because Jesus is coming. Right? I said that in a specific context. So. I said yeah. when it came to Christian conduct, we live by revelation. So when they told us to live, um, you know, um, live sexually pure lives, it was because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost right? We house God, right? When he tells us to love, it's because Christ first loved us. When he tells us to forgive, it's because uh, Christ has forgiven us. That's what I was talking about. What's your question? Okay. I, I wanted to ask if we should live right because 
in the fear of Jesus is coming and so will not be among the fold that you Oh no 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 no. Jesus see the believer Jesus is coming for the believer. Yes. The believer is not afraid of the coming of Jesus. The man who believes does not go to hell. Right? Um um and that's why we see that Paul told the church at Corinth even though they had moral feelings he first called them saints and eulogized them and did everything. So but he now corrected them with the same revelations in Christ. Is the man that doesn't now take that correction that we can excommunicate from the garden of sin. If he also now does not still feel bad after we are excommunicating, he's no more part of us. His salvation is very questionable. Right? So that's why John will say, if any man loves God but hates his brother, he's in darkness until now. So we can make a solid case for... Um, it's not just, see, the believer is not the one that is afraid of coming. He's looking forward to the coming of Jesus. Right? So like I said, the reason why Paul told us moderation, because Jesus was coming and be, first of all, we are sober because Jesus is coming. First, there's a reward system. We'll be rewarded for everything we've done in flesh, number one. But number two, um, when it comes to uh, um, salvation and um, when it comes to moderation, rather, and the coming of Jesus, we, we are moderate because we show that our value is not in the things that we have, but we are looking forward to the one that is coming. And so all these things don't mean, don't hold our heart. That's what I'm trying to say. Thank you, Sammy, sir. I'm correct, Sammy. I'm correct, Sammy. <laughs> no, if you drag me now. <laughs> all right. Let me, let me, let me take questions. Any, anybody? Just raise your hand if there are questions. Praise the Lord. Oh, so good to see everybody and so good to see you, sir. <laughs> okay, um, my question is this. Can God um, do what he did with Abraham at the time when he was about to kill Isaac with us? For instance, let's say... Um, you are given something and God prior says for you to take it and then much later he now says for you to return it. Can that still happen? Um, let's say for instance, okay, this thing happened uh, about um, five days ago. I, I received a certain gift and I mean, I didn't hear anything take or don't take or receive. I just collected but much later, I now heard I should give back. So I was like, okay. I was, I, it took me a long time, at least up to five hours, to make the decision to actually get to know what exactly to do. So even when I was, I made up my mind to be like, okay, I want to return this thing. As I had another piece, keep it. So, <laughs> so um, I want to ask what should be done in situations like that. In situations like that, my brother, go and pray. That's the truth. You need to go and pray. Um, you need to get... So, there's something I was even thinking about. Uh, when it comes to walking with God and fellowship with God and stuff like that, you need to be clear. And the truth is, God, like I said earlier, God is patient. Right? And if God wants... Do you, there are some leadings I've had that I've not been clear about. And I just give it time. And with time, 
you know, it just fleshes out. And I, I know what God wants me to do. Okay, so I'm just going to say that, uh, just give it time. And you need to just go and say, Lord, what do you want me to do exactly? And be sure it's not just your heart that wants to keep it. Right? Just, Lord, what do you want me to do exactly? And just be ready to do whatever I tell you to do. It's a gift. Lord, if you want me to give back, I will give. So, yeah. Praise God. Gloria. Um, Pastor Nelson, Pastor, I, <laughs> I wanted you to like shed some light. Um, sometimes I get annoyed when I hear things like the Lord gives and the Lord takes. Mm. And <laughs> my brother, I said in line with what I thought. <laughs> I thought like somebody when something happens and it's not favorable now. Um I've seen cases of in a case where a person was sent on this journey and as he went on the mission journey or something like that, in the process, he died. So you now see his widow or somebody be like, oh, the Lord gives and the Lord takes and stuff like that. So is that a result or I really don't understand. So I have a problem with the context in which that verse is used, right? What you're asking me to, what that question now is a four hour teaching. It's a four hour teaching, starting from James to Hebrews 1 1 and 2. Then we will now start from the life of Jesus. Then we will now go back again. So it's a long teaching. But let me just put it this way I'm going to answer your question without answering your question. So, because it will lead me to many things. However, let me just say this when it comes to going for Jesus, Right? I know there is security in the plan of God, but there's also provision to die for him. Mm -hmm. So, people who died in the mission field, they were not out of the will of God. People who are poor in the mission field, they are not out of the will of God. In fact, Paul said in hunger often. Mm, and it was at the center of God's will. Right? Paul, Paul was broke sometimes. That's why he said he has learned how to abase and about. He now said after, I can do all things. So all the things, all had a context. All the things he could do was be lao lao when he's plenty and be humble when he's little. That's the context of all things. Okay? It didn't mean he can fly. So um, you need to get that. In that context, it does not necessarily mean the Lord what do you mean by the Lord took away? Do you mean that God moved people to kill him? No, like, I mean... No, I'm, I'm, I'm just explaining. Like, so for example, when they behead people in the mission field and say the Lord gives... Are you saying that God moved people to behead him? Or God, he died, he slept, and God said, you have tried, you have come to heaven. And things like that. So, what exactly... So, that is vague. You see, what you're asking is a, is a strong theological question. And I can't just answer it. Um, I'd rather not give an answer than give a half answer. Okay. But what I will say is when... See, let me say this, everybody. Um, in the will of God, there's room for suffering. No? So when you say, in the will of God, if things are going, they're not going smoothly, check who sent you. Mm -mm -mm. Mm -mm. In the will of God, Jesus came. He died. After 33 years, when his ministry was taken off, he died. 
Are you guys with me? So please. I mean, I mean, this is Jesus died, but this is the same God who promised Anna, you will not taste death until you see him. Both of them were in God's plan now. But one was not promised death. One had a room to die. Do you get? So, that's why I said that the reward for following God's plan is that God's will is done. Not any other thing. Do you get what I'm saying? Okay. So, like I said, I'm answering your question without answering your question. Okay, um, another question. My brother, you didn't say this at the beginning. Go on, go on. <laughs> Sorry. Um, in cases where does God change his mind in like cases of leading and everything where you hear that, ah, God told me to do this, but he said, no, 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 come back, come back. And, you know. So in cases like that, there are two possibilities. Number one, either you misheard. You know, yeah, well, you she heard, right? You thought this was God speaking, but it was not. Ever. Or, 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 actually there are three. Or, God spoke, but it was not time. But you thought it was the time. I've had mistakes like that too. Or people change. That's the third one. This one is most common in relationship. You paid. God said, rise, kill and eat. Right? You enter the relationship. But after a while, the person becomes a vagabond. You will not continue. In fact, the voice of God upon many waters say, break up, 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 up. Right? So, like I always say, I know somebody. Uh, strangers walked up to him and prophesied to him. He said, there is a lady, her name is this, this, this. The Lord says she's your wife. Dramatic. The lady knew in her hundred level she was going to date this guy. The guy was chasing another girl. It was after he left school, they now started dating. But she had known since. He was just catching up. That's why I said, let's not throw away the baby without that. This one, God says I should marry you and then we mock it. It's possible. It's just that God will not just tell you to marry another person's wife. And even if God tells you, once they've married, move on. <laughs> right. And you don't have to say God, tell, just say I like you. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so, um, but yes, they are really supernatural. I mean, I've seen people who, um, they saw their wives years before and they've never met the person. Do you get so, there are cases like that. Anyways, what I'm trying to say is this. Um, people, so, this story I was telling about, this lady, I mean, they did it, they dated. But they are, he's married to somebody else now. Because she changed. Yeah. She changed. He got into ministry. She was asking some funny questions. In fact, he's not just married. He has a daughter. Uh -huh. She changed. So, he, I mean... There are some people now, there are some issues, some relationships we have. You ask me, and they say, ah, but the Lord spoke. I say, I'm speaking for the Lord now. End this thing now. Do you get So, um, some relationships that started by God must end by man. They must end. They must end. So, it's one of those three cases. Either you misheard, you heard and it was not the time, or people change. So, there's a man that, there's somebody that God, are you aware if I don't do what I'm doing as NIM? The grace and God's hand is still upon my life. But God can never be stranded. He has many people that he can use. I'm just here because of grace. God is not stranded. His plan will be executed. So, yeah. Any other person? I told you. What's one person ask? Um, sir, please. I want to ask, how do you 
sincerely test prophecies, especially where um, maybe spiritual authorities or familiar voices in your life are saying maybe something contrary or you're not sure. Basically, is that what I should Okay, so first of all, she raised something very important. Let me say this. If God wants to speak to you, he'll speak to you with those around you. Right? Like how God usually confirms things is with those around you. That's why it's important to belong to a local church. All right? He speaks to you with those around you, familiar voices. Secondly, if the voices are not, how you test prophecies, number one, with the word of God. Is it contrary to the word? I remember listening to, you know, a broadcast, a theology broadcast that talks about the body, a continuation is they believe in the flow of the spirit. And one was saying that, he said that somebody was in a church one time and the lady came out prophesying and said, you know, I am the Lord. I'm bored up here. I need company. Yes, I say limau, right, and things like that. So, um, things like that. So, number one, you judge it by the word. Please, I've not given you ammunition. No, you judge it by the word. That's number one. But number two, that's why I say you have a walk with God. You need to have fellowship with God, so that see a prophet's word. A prophet in the New Testament is not to tell you for you what you have never known. What you have never known. The prophet's job is to confirm God's word to you because you all have the Holy Ghost. So if he's going to tell you anything, he's either going to confirm something or God's spirit in your spirit will bear witness to what he's saying. Do you get? And that's why you can always go back and pray. You have a, God is not an estranged father. You have a relationship with him. So you can always go back and say, okay, Lord, they dash me this word. Speak, Lord. Your servant heareth." Do you understand? So, they may not, they, they may have been genuine, but they can be wrong because they are men. They are men. Right. So, yeah. Let me, let's have the question online. Give one near the phone. No problem. <laughs> Next person. Someone here have a question? Uh -huh. Baby. Yes, Good afternoon. Shalom. Um, I want to ask in the place of opportunity. Put the mic in your being, mouth. Being led by opportunities, like, okay, doors of opportunities being open, can that be like a sign of leading? And then you have an opportunity to do something, and then God isn't exactly saying anything. Is it. I've answered or? that already. Okay. If He isn't exactly saying anything. See, eh? let, me let me say something. See. The backbone of everything is your devotion. I, I've been saying that a lot. Because the truth of the matter is, there are times when God is not exactly saying anything. He's not yes, he's not no. It means you can take it, it doesn't matter. Right? And, but this is the first thing. This is where trust comes in. I trust God's ability to communicate to me than I trust my ability to not hear him. So many times, I'm not always fixated on, oh God, what are you saying now? Many times, I just move. When, when, he, when I send something, I just move. And I trust God that if it is not him, he will catch my attention and call me back. So many times, leading comes as you are in the way. Do you understand what I'm saying? For example, the preaching of the gospel, um, Paul and uh, Barnabas, and after he changed to Luke, they went everywhere. But, they were about, but the Holy Ghost told them, don't go into Asia. So many times, just keep going. But if the Lord wants to catch your attention, he will call you back. There will be a check. But all these things, you might not pick it if you are too busy for your devotion. So, 
Opportunities are not always the leading of God. But if opportunities come, take them. Do you get what I'm saying? Any other person? No? 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I trust you were blessed by the teaching of God's word. Nelson Hagan Ministries is a mandate that seeks to see men saved, trained, and sent. For more ministry content, visit us at t.me forward slash Nelson Hagan. And for contact details, follow on Instagram at Nelson Hagan. God bless you.